Yeah, you're going to need an extra big bucket of butter for that one. Recorded live. Scuba Obsessed is the weekly podcast. We talk about all things scuba diving, from cool new gear, places to dive, and scuba in the news. Scuba Obsessed episode 215 is recorded live October 2nd, 2014. Welcome back to Scuba Obsessed. I'm Darren Jilson coming to you from the west side of Michigan where the leaves are starting to turn all sorts of funny colors. Uh, joining me this week we have Dave Toneman. How are you doing today, Dave? Doing well, Darren. And we also have leaves changing on this side of the state. <laughs> they're, they're doing the same thing over there. That's a conspiracy, I tell you. I'm, yeah, I'm sure you're right. Oh, I can't believe it. It's getting to be fall already. Now, with that said, how's the water temps been over there? Are you starting to notice some getting a little chillier? Um, believe it or not, I actually was in a wetsuit a little bit this weekend, which for me is kind of rare. Um, I was seeing high 60s still in the river. Uh, Lake Huron was about the same, high 60s. Starting to cool off a little bit, not significantly. That's not too bad. That's, that's respectable. Yeah, but, but the sure sign is I know a lot of people that are pulling their boats out of a big lake this weekend. Yeah, uh, around here, because you never know what it's going to be like. Uh, a lot of people pull their boats out, and there is a... Uh, the, the youth fairgrounds here has some rather large buildings that they don't use in the winter other than the store boats and trailers and campers. So a lot yeah. of people want to get their space, so they have to drop them off, and that kind of dictates the end of their season. Uh, some of the inboard people here in the next few weeks are going to get a little nervous about leaving, uh, pulling their boats in and out of water and having, you know, splitting a block or something. The outboard guys, you know, they, they can go. That's why I've got a inboard outboard with a closed cooling system uh-huh. all i have to do is tilt the out drive and open a drain plug on my heat exchanger and i'm ready we're so, gonna run until we have ice on the river so that it, it has like a heat exchanger and then that that can drain out pretty easily yep it's got a cooling system just like on a car except the radiator instead of the radiator there's a heat exchanger and it just pulls water out of the body of water you're in and runs through a heat exchanger and dumps it back out oh that's nice so that way you don't have the that water circulating through the block and Yep, the benefits of the outboard in the fall with an inboard outboard. Nice. Well, let's go ahead and jump right on into the news. Before we get going, people are going to want to know where Mac is. Mac has had an event he was going to, and he may stop in, so we'll try to keep an eye out for him. Not sure where Jim is. He could be playing hooky. I know he saw something on the side scan a few weeks ago. Maybe that's uh, drawn him in and he can't get away from it. Uh Uh-oh. So the first article up is Larry the Giant Lobster has been returned to the sea. This is out of Dana Point, California. 26-year-old uh, spear fisherman had found the lobster. Let's see, how big was this beast? Uh, 16 pounds. That's a lot of lobster. <laughs> that is a huge boy. They said he's particularly large. Uh, in the process of grabbing the lobster, he ripped up his hands in wetsuit in the process. He was hooting and hollering when he erupted from the water. He And the lobster was dubbed Larry with the help of his friends. So that's the equivalent of finding a hutchie. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I would say so. That would, that would be. You know, I'd like to find a hutchie. I'd also love to find a fifteen-plus lobster, technically weighing in at fifteen pounds nine ounces. 
Let's see, somebody's popped in. Let's see if that was. Need to get that all queued up. Nope. So uh, 15 pounds, 9 ounces. Just a little shy of the state sport record, which was 16 pound, 1 ounce. That was caught by a scuba diver in the Catalina Island in February 1968. Is one of the largest species of, of uh, spiny lobster. The California males can weigh up to 26 pounds and measure three feet long. Now, 26 pounds and three That's feet. That's a lobster. <laughs> that, that is huge. And I, I think I heard somebody say once, that'd be a lot of butter. <laughs> yeah, it sure would be. You'd almost need to fill the bathtub and dunk them in there. Uh, hmm. He was uh, going to become the fate of many uh, dinners. Uh, they went to present him to the, let's see, which museum was it? The Dana's Point Ocean Institute. Yeah. And when he brought him there, they said that they already had a couple of large lobsters and that they didn't have room for him. And they requested he go back because they say big lobsters make lots of little lobsters. Probably so. So that's why he was released. That's a good catch and release. Let somebody else have fun. That is. And not only that, I wonder, you know, kind of like deer, I'd rather have a small young uh, doe than a huge old nasty buck yeah well as far as taste they said the the smaller ones are going to taste a little bit better still a a nice claim to fame nice picture recreational lobster fisherman in the state is 150 oh wait wait i'm I'm reading the numbers wrong they had a little facts listed on the side 25,000 to 30,000 recreational lobster fishermen in california 150 is a number of commercial lobster fishermen wow you know you don't think of california as having lobster fishermen do you no, not really. I think more East Coast and uh, Florida. Yeah, 150 of them. They must be doing okay because it's expensive to live out there. <laughs> yes, it is. Next one up. This one's out of the UK. Scuba saved me. A teenager has emerged from trouble times thanks to scuba diving. Uh, Janie Bank 17 had completed her turnaround of life with the help of a course run by the Sport of Eight Basildon Academy in the Orca Scuba Diving Academy. She's gone from struggling in school and regularly missing classes to finishing her GCSEs and gaining an apprenticeship in the academy based in Brunt Mills Industrial Estate. She now hopes to pursue a career in the Navy. This week, Janie was presented with the Eastern Region Sportivate, that must be a British term, Participant of the Year, awarded by Active Essex Chairman Gary Sullivan, while 20 feet underwater. That's a way to give an award. I think all awards should be given underwater. Yes, they should. She said, it's crazy to think of a person I was last year. I never expected any of this. I was really in a bad place, and I felt like I didn't want to be here anymore. I feel like I've been really lucky. It is amazing. I love my life. I love my work. I love everybody here. I'm just so happy. Janie had struggled with sports in school, and after being in a wheelchair until she was seven years old due to muscular problems and being partially sighted, after her mom, Allison, 48, believes the problems came to a head with a devastating house fire in 2008 in which a family lost all their possessions and their dogs. She said it's hard to explain, but she just found in the school environment she couldn't really cope. I'm absolutely so grateful for this scheme and for her teacher, Gary. Gary Aldridge, co-owner of Orca Scuba Diving, described how before the course, Janie would struggle to take part in presentation interviews because of her anxiety, but now is confident. He said, Janie is a great asset and a great reward for me. I do get a buzz out of the course. I won't pretend I don't. He praised his staff, including Rhonda Richer, who worked closely with Janie who gave their free time the help of the course. Janie is now a qualified master diver, hopes to become an instructor, working around the world and being part of the Navy search and recovery team. That was an excellent program there. Yeah, another story about uh, how scuba has helped somebody refocus and recover from issues, whether it's uh, soldiers whatnot coming back from war or people who've been injured or this girl who's having confidence in uh, other issues. 
just the, the fact that they overcome the environment and learn how to operate within the environment seems to have that effect. Now, do you see that a lot in the regular classes when you're doing some teaching? Uh, I see a change in confidence, but I don't I don't get to see most of the people in their everyday environments, so it's kind of hard to judge. But I do see a significant change in confidence in some of the some of the students where they come in and they're very anxious, and, and by the time they work through it, they typically have problems. And you spend time with them, focus on their issues, and get them through. And I'd like to think that they walk out of it with a new way to cope with anxiety issues. And as a side note, the Sport of Eight is actually a program in the UK for basically youth who would like to be involved in sport but really aren't particularly sporty. It's a combination of sport and motivate. Seems like a nonprofit group to uh, help kids be inspired to do better in sports that don't normally do well in sports. Well, that's good. Mac, you there? Yes, sir, I am. Well, how you doing? We're about we're to the point where. We're at darts, underwater darts, aim for a good cause. Okay. Submerge this weekend of October 3rd for the 5th. Kevin Esmere will still be, will be still in waiting like a deep sea predator plotting his next move. He isn't fishing for prey. He's darting for a win. The Lakeside Park resident is participating in a Central Coast Dive Center's Blossom uh, Bosom Buddies underwater dart tournament. <laughs> that sounds like a joke, doesn't it? It's a fun event. Just the fact I'm underwater is the fun part for me. I love diving no matter where it is. I'm happy to, to help for good cause. Central Coast has held the underwater dart tournament for 14 years. This according to owner Tommy Evans. The event raises fund for breast cancer research and prevention, a scholarship fund. Since 2000, Bosom Buddies has raised more than $200,000. Both of my sisters, Pam and Susan, died of breast cancer. Evans says I lost a cousin to it. My mom and my aunts have also had breast cancer. The event is for them. It's indescribable to see all the participants come together to raise money and compete throughout the weekend of the tournament. I always find tears in my eyes. An underwater darts tournament, participants will wear scuba gear and descend to the bottom of the Central Coast heated indoor pool. Targets are two large square dart boards that are suspended in the water. Darts are actually small underwater torpedo-shaped pool toys. The rules are similar to above-water darts. He said your goal is to get as many darts to the center of the target as possible. You don't actually throw the dart. The darts are tor- toy pedos. The pool toy that looks like a chunky missile, they are weighted so a mere flick will propel the torpedo forward. If you push too hard, it will arc and completely miss the target. So there are different ways to score points than simply sending the dart through target. You get extra points for having the dart go through, hit the wall, bounce back through. Extra points for the dart is sent upwards and breaks the surface and goes through the target. And any dart that comes back within your reach can be thrown again. What I find myself doing is trying to stay as still as possible and then plan what I'm going to do to make the dart do. Every tournament underwater has more power than you think, so it's so I like to take my time and be as patient as possible. Cost enters twenty dollars. Participants are also encouraged to get sponsors to earn more money for the cause. A prize for the person who raises the most funds. If you don't want to play uh, this year, money's raised will be donated to the Mercy Health Mobile Mammary Gram Unit, which will be providing screening to women who are underinsured or uninsured. Pledges will also go to Pam Evans Smith Scholarship Fund. I have to agree. Anytime you can do anything underwater, it seems that's all. That's that's much better. And I can definitely see the challenge in that. I use the torpedoes in my classes, and they're not as easy as it would appear to throw. Yeah, like you said, the the harder you push, the less likely it's going to do anything that you want it to do. What do you use them for in your class? Uh, I found that uh, when students start playing with them, it helps them actually improve their buoyancy because they're having to go up and down in the water column and. 
they strive to control themselves to be able to catch it. I've never even heard about doing darts underwater. That sounds interesting to try. Yeah, we could do that. I th- I, uh, I'll have to ask Jim Kleeman. He had uh, a couple of those uh, torpedoes. I have to see where you can get them. I'm sure you can just get them online in any of the. You know those little guns, the spring ones, that have the stoppers on them, you shoot at the wall? Yeah. How would they work underwater? I mean, obviously, take the little sticker off, you know, the, yeah. the wall. Yeah. That could be uh, something underwater, too, in a game or a contest. Only one way to find out. Let's do that. Yeah, yes, it sounds like all sorts of fun things we can do. Mystery of World War II flying boat wreck. Scuba Diver says a wreckage discovered off the Lincolnshire coast nine years ago belonged to a World War II Sunderland flying boat. Kevin Smith said it was one of the aircraft where they were used against the German U-boats in the Atlantic. He says he was baffled as there are no records that one of the planes ever crashed in the North Sea. Pembroke Dock Heritage Center said the find was intriguing, but mysteries as to why the aircraft was there. The record was found by the French Navy in 2005, about 27 miles off the coast of uh, Mablethorpe. Miss, Mr. Smith, who has explored a submerged aircraft three times, had previously thought the remains of a Halifax bomber. Identified over the summer, he said the, he examined the wreck and identified four Bristol Pegasus engines, which are consistent with the MK-1 Sunderland. Sunderland flying boats are stationed in the west at RAF Pembroke Dock and using the Battle of the Atlantic. He says, it's got us baffled. I can't believe the flying boats didn't come down the North Sea looking for submarines. We might never know. John Evans from the Pembroke Dock Heritage Center said there were a number of Sunderlands that disappeared during World War II, but the location is very interesting. It could well be a war grave, and if that's the case, look but don't touch. We're told it definitely hasn't an undercarriage. It's got four engines. It's very likely to be a Sunderland. I think it's funny they're called the flying porcupines. Really? Yeah, because of their firepower. Because I was looking at the pictorials, and I only see a couple of cannons. I'm just curious why the flying porcupines. Well, is that is that a big cannon out the front? It looks that way. Looks like he got a turret, but I didn't see anything else on the sides or something. But that's a big moosey thing, isn't it? It is. You think that they could have a lot of rounds in there. Maybe that's why it got called the porcupine. Or maybe they drop depth charges. I would imagine they'd do that also. It's nice with that high wing like that. It seems like it'd be good for uh, uh, certain conditions. I'd like to see pictures of it on the bottom. Yeah, they have one photo, but it's it's like you see it and you, you have no sense of scale. I can't tell if that's five zebra mussels or is that a giant plane. Almost looks like a radial engine, the cylinders, except that radial should have more cylinders than four. Oh, the, oh, there's another photo that's a little bit better, I see. Yeah, it had a, a turret out the front. Interesting. Yeah, I, um, yeah, it seems like that could be a radial. It is very interesting. And let's see, we got a couple photos for the week. Did you miss something, by the way? We we skipped a few. The Lake Monster? Yeah, the Lake Monster, it, it came up and it wanted me to register and I wasn't going to. And then I did find another article where it didn't want me to register and it, I couldn't find much of an article. Did, do you have any insight in on it? No, I was just curious. I just saw that, and I was curious. Yeah, but see this this ne- this uh, this next one, the ten best naked dresses in spring twenty fifteen fashion. I thought that was much more relevant. Oh, interesting. Anyway, yeah, some of them kind of look like your wetsuits. Yeah, I think my wetsuit uh, almost covered as much as these did. But the uh, the 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 one at the end is what highlighted it. 
They said, this one has your summer getaway down if you don't wear baby doll dresses. It's making us fantasize about scuba erotica. I mean, doesn't everybody? <laughs> I ain't going there. That's a Google search I'm not going to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Neoprene, latex seals. Rubber fetish. The rubber fetish. Cool scuba gear. GoPro has new cameras. Seems like they just came out with new cameras. But this is a I can't keep up. Yeah. Now the the uh, the photo at the top is that the recommended mounting style for a diver? <laughs> it is one method. Yeah. It, in the, in for those of you who aren't seeing the shot, it somebody has stuck the GoPro in between his teeth. So depending what you're doing, that is, that could be an action cam. So let's see. What are the new models that they've got out? They said that they've uh, upgraded their line and they've come out with a a lower. Uh, the uh, hero is supposed to be 130. So this just the straight up hero is 130 now. That's going to be their. Uh, that's a recommended price. So the hero four. Wow. Should have bought some stock. Oh yeah. One of the one of the nicest things though, I think it's the black model. Uh, the hero four black is supposed to have manual control, so you can do things like manual white balance. Oh, nice. So there may be a change in some of the uh, appearance of GoPro videos. You notice on the front though, you only see two buttons. Not three like the other ones? Well, they do. They require the remote to get to the other features. I don't know. I'm just looking at the middle one. on the, It's got the Hero 4 left and right, then the one in the middle. I don't know if that's a 4, but it only has two buttons. That's had, made me curious. I think they put the other button on the side. But yeah. a straight-in shot, I would see that, I suppose. Yeah, so they said the, the $500 professional-grade Hero 4, the entry level is 130 and then the $400 Hero 4 Silver. First of the sports cams that get a built-in touchscreen, but at a uh, hundred and thirty, I mean, you think about it. That's I think I I, I paid that for. No, nah, I haven't paid that. I'm too cheap, but I may have to get a few of them. Oh, at a hundred and thirty, it's very accessible. Yeah, yeah, an underwater camera with a housing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just a regular under underwater camera would be that. Or more. Or more, and then uh, we have a couple of videos of the week. We have. A video showing a South African fisherman playing tug-of-war with a great white shark. Normally, I'd bet in the shark, but it sounds like uh, the fisherman was winning on this, this one. Can I, can I backtrack one second? Sure. That GoPro 4 has 4K 30? Yes. <laughs> can you imagine that already? 4K. Well, you know the reason why people are shooting in 4K now? For 3D. Well, for 3D, and you can also, uh, it makes editing much nicer. Because if you're going to go HD, you've got a 4K video, you can crop it like you do a photo. You can crop video. That's freaking amazing. It is. the, uh, the What I hear a lot of people complaining about, especially in the videography space, is just the cost of storage space. And then some of these take expensive memory chips, and you fill them up like crazy. There's also another camera that's uh, it's called Blackmagic. I don't believe they have an underwater housing for it yet. But uh, that one's uh, pretty impressive. The issue is that it doesn't do really well in low-light situations, so kind of rules it out for diving, but they call it cinema quality. So you're able to produce the same quality as uh, what you would need to make a cinema movie. I just looked at that uh, the entry-level GoPro, the, the, that Hero Zero or whatever, mm-hmm. or 130. That still gives you 1080, 5, yeah. mix, 5 frames per second burst, and good to 130 feet. Duh. That's a no-brainer for anybody to buy that sucker. Yep. Yeah, it's it's getting to be that way. And you think about it, and 
you know, it has to be that traditional camera companies are not willing to do the steps that he was. You know, they were taking a camera and they keep improving it and they keep making it cheaper. If this was a Canon or an Nikon or you know any other brand, would they have ever innovated as quickly? And I'm curious to see what the closeout prices are going to be on the old lines. Yeah, now that you mentioned it, yeah. Well, I had heard rumors that Best Buys were had been clearancing out inventory, and this explains why. I'd like to have one of those to try. Well, I've got some projects I've been waiting to do, and I think this next year will be the year to do them. Heck, you th- think about it, we could do an after-the-fact uh, video podcast. You just have everybody have a couple of those at their location, upload the fi- the, the footage. We could edit it together, and you do a pretty high-quality video program. And then it sounds like this shark was playing tug-of-war with a buoy that was thrown overboard. Passengers in a boat in South Africa managed to capture amazing footage of the terrifying shark grabbing a hold of a flotation device. As a fisherman on board tries to pull the buoy in, the shark can be seen battling to maintain his vice-like grip, same way a dog would with a toy. As the shark becomes frustrated, flipping the buoy from side to side in a bid to keep a hold of it, the onlookers in the boat can be heard laughing. shark is so busy, swinging its head from side to side, it almost headbutts the cage heading off the sides of the boat that is used by scuba divers. So what do you think the it cost for a trip in the shark cage? I'd want reinforced bars. <laughs> they said one session costs about 100 pounds. That's probably to go in, and it's 300 pounds to get out. And then here's a video, and I think we've talked about this one before, that bomber in the bottom of Lake Mead. I think the most interesting part of that is the uh, last few lines of the article that go with it. And I wonder what that means in the broad sense for all wrecks. However, the site is off-limits unless divers first apply and are approved for a commercial use of authorization permit from the National Park Service. I don't understand that part, but uh, I was talking about UP, where they applied for nomination as a National Historic Landmark, and the federal government said, eh, no, that doesn't meet criteria. So is the federal government saying, eh, it's just a wreck, it's not historic? <laughs> it could be. And it is interesting that you have to apply for a commercial use authorization permit to dive it. That one, we covered that a couple of years ago, and there's something unusual about it. Part of it is the depth, the location. The bomber was 200 feet down, but I think with the uh, water level declining, do they say what Should it is be, now? Uh, they said 40 to 50 feet lower, so somewhere around 150, 160. Definitely reachable. Yeah, yeah. even the people who are you know, at the beginning of their tech diving. <laughs> Where's that quote that you had again? I was trying to look for it about the requirements. All the way at the bottom of the article, man. All the way. For commercial use authorization. And your comment was what? Why are they doing that? That's just interesting that that would be the permit that they would ask for to dive it. Just, I don't see where just diving on the plane would be a commercial use. Obviously, if you dove it, you're going to video it. And if you video it, you're going to use that video. But some of those national parks have a, you know, you can't metal detect for one, and many of them you've got to get permission to dive the, their area. So is this a national park? Is the is the reservoir a national park? I don't know. Yes, Lake Mead is a national park. Well, then that's why. They made the water, so that's what they're going to do with it. <laughs> but it is curious to see that uh, the federal government declined to register it in, in the Registry of Historic Landmarks. Well, it makes me think that there's 
some obligation if it becomes a National Historic Landmark? Oh, there's a large criteria. Well, and maybe that means that there's something that they want to do it or don't want to do to it. Because uh, it was about a well, cause they had last year, I think about this time of year at the end of the season, they had a couple filmmakers uh, got decompression sickness uh, diving on it. And there was something about it being uh, videotaped, that there wasn't a lot of video footage on it. And wasn't that the one that had the that experimental navigation equipment or the sun? I'm trying to remember what they called it. There was some kind of experimental nav on it. I don't remember what it was. Yeah, it was something they were doing something, and that was in July day in 1948. And maybe that's why they don't want to make a National Historic Landmark. Maybe they have to. They'd have to declassify some stuff, or people would start asking questions. I think it's an incubator for alien SpaceX myself. <laughs> I'm trying to get on the screen to send you a picture of that, and my Skype just changed. So let's see if I send can... me an IM real quick. Okay. See if I can see an IM, so I can send you a response. <laughs> let's see. You're assuming I can figure it out. Uh, well, it, it comes up. I just can't find it. Uh, hmm. <laughs> Wow, this this is tech time. Okay, I just found it. See if you find it. That's um, supposed to be, a, it looks like a side scan shot of the B-29 on the bottom. It's from Lake Mead National Recreation Area, B-29 Tupa Fortress, uh, in 2008. So, what was it in 2008? Yeah, I said in 1947, that B-29 was stripped of her armament, reclassified as a reconnaissance 29, and moved into the upper atmospheric research project. They used a... Uh, the project was developed an intercontinental ballistic missile guidance system that used the sun for tracking, for direction, and positioning. Ah. And it was needed. And then the pictorial that I sent, uh, sight scan sonar outlines the unmistakable shape of the B-29 on the floor. It says lake levels have dropped over 100 feet and have brought the historic aircraft to recreational divers. It's got uh, a diagram of the locations, and she's in remarkable shape. Uh, she's broke a little aft of the tail, a little forward of the tail, and then it's got individual pictures of the each sections, and the engines are terrific. So, oh. if you're, so if you're not a diver, wait a couple of years, you'll be able to snorkel down to it. Wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> have you got? Have you looked at the item I'm talking about? No, I haven't seen this, but I, I, I've seen some shots of the lake there, and they show this big white streak where the water levels continue to go down. Wow, some of these photos are really good, and the guy's uh, has a picture of a guy doing some work. He's got a really nice rebreather. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those pictures are worth looking at. Amazing how it is in good shape, and it looks like they may have zebra mussels or something. Oh, do they have zebra mussels there? Well, it sure looks like they have some kind of vegetation on it. Yeah, you want to see that item and go to it later. Some of those pictures are pretty interesting. Yeah, I'm looking at the uh, photos. Oh, okay. I think, I think I am looking at the photos. I'm a little challenged on navigating this. I just did a quick Google search on the image on images for it, and there's some good good pictures out there. Yeah, you're right, Mac. That is unbelievably good condition. Yes, it is. Yeah, I don't know what kind of muscle that is, but there's it hasn't gotten them. It's not that dense. It looked like in that one photo that it was something like that. Yeah, that those are good shots. Yeah, and you're right. I'm looking at different shots of it. Pretty nice. Pretty nice. That one looks like it's an alien, first one. (laughs) It is. 
You, you, you can see Steven Spielberg making a movie like that. <laughs> well, that does it for Scuba in the News. Let's see, what else do we have? So, I did not get a chance to get any diving in this last week, but I think Mac did. Well, I got a couple. Today it was lightning and thundering, and so we just dove between the lightning bolts. <laughs> yeah, the river has been absolutely outstanding the last couple of weeks, and uh, I think you saw the last time I posted that thing was, uh, I can't remember which dive it was. What is the date? <laughs> this is today. You, you've had that many dives. Yeah, actually. <laughs> yeah, I remember it was yesterday, the day before we dove, did a drift dive, and uh, we wound up on the Treasure Treasure Island side, which was a lot of fun. When you say Treasure Island, that's... Uh... I tried the treasures were, yeah. Outside. Ah. Ken lost his uh, river stick. The shallower the water, the faster it goes, and it'll drag your butt through the rocks. How, how how long through the rocks? Well, it was really shallow where we went in. We wanted to check some new spaces out we hadn't been. Mm-hmm. And uh, Jim was on a minute ago, wasn't he? I just tried calling him, and it uh, it might not be him. Okay. And uh, so we went upstream, and where we went in was a lot shallower, but we were looking for some sections. Jim had been up there with the boat the other day and went from shallow to deep real quick and then shallow. Uh, we actually did find the spot he was talking about because you'd go there and all of a sudden you'd see rough water. It was a big hole there. So we wanted to check and see what might be in the holes. Turtles. Actually, there wasn't, but oh. uh, good visibility and it got you out of the current when you went down on the hole. Okay. Is this a more Sheboygan? I'm looking at the treasures. What, are you on the club site? Yeah, I'm on the club site. Well, I'm on the site is where we last posted. Oh, okay, because this one's a treasure site. But that distracted me because I... I don't know if I had seen some of these. Well, I put some in there, but not. I haven't really updated those lately. Okay. Well, a couple of them I have, but uh, yeah. yeah. If you go to the club site and you see some of the stuff we got, so it says yesterday. So we must have dove yesterday also. It says yesterday. You yeah, can't yeah, even remember. Dove, yeah, because Larry dove. Yeah, we had the geriatric divers out yesterday. Now is that that's with the walkers and? No, that means the retired guys. Oh, okay. <laughs> That's why you weren't with us, because you weren't retired yet. But we'd let you come if you wanted to. I could be the designated non-retired guy? Yeah, yeah, we'd let you. We'd call you a youngster. Youngster. We, we'd make comments like that, you know, right behind the ears. Yeah. <laughs> well, not with a new dry suit, not anymore. And you did post some pictures on Facebook of the, some of the treasures. Yeah, we've got a new diver. He's 12 years, not diver even, uh, snorkeler. He's 12 years old. And he is putting to shame some of our old guys who have never found a hutchie. I know. Insult. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but look at the one. You found uh, the frying pan, a bicycle seat. Quite a collection there. Yeah, there's a couple of good ones in that one, too. Some nice keepers. Oh, down at the bottom, I don't know if you can see that one. That is a four-sided medicine in Boston, all four sides. The one at the very bottom? I think it's that one. I really can't tell. And uh, all the white ceramics and the, the, the jars, there was more than I brought. I just brought a couple up for uh, for Mary Beth because she's collecting those now. And you see the little thing up near the inner tube, that prod that you stick in your meat when you're grilling it? Tells you the temperature. First one of those I found. Yeah. And believe it or not, some of those bricks are, are turning out to be very nice. These are the ones with embossed raised letters. Oh, yeah. You, you, could, you could build a, 
a lighthouse. There's enough bricks down there. Well, I'm, I'm putting those around. You know how you have those covers over your wells? Mm-hmm. And I'm putting them around the base of them to make sure the wind doesn't catch them. But it's actually pretty attractive. Yeah, because they got they say like metropolitan on them. Yeah, some of them do, and some have different ones. I'm trying to get as many different ones as I can. Yeah, I and know. Then, uh, I used to when I worked at a different location. I used to walk through some of the subdivisions, and people had driveways made with those bricks. Yeah. So wherever whatever had it, I think I think what they might have been is these might have been the cobblestones that they used in the road, mm-hmm. and then as they decided. It's, it seems like in the 60s and 70s, everybody decided they didn't want cobblestone roads anymore and tore them all up and dumped them in the river for erosion control, of course. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Just trying to be environmentally sound, I'm sure. Now, Dave, I understand that uh, you had some diving? A uh, lot of diving. Uh, this weekend, we started out Sunday on Lake Huron, went looking for the Charles Price, a 504-foot steamer that went down in the 1913 storm. And our numbers are not very good because we were using side scan and couldn't find a 500-foot freighter. <laughs> How deep? Yeah, about 80 feet. Whoa. Yeah, 500-foot freighter and 80 feet should be like a, a giant shadow. Yeah. And we looked for about an hour, didn't find it. So we pulled up and uh, headed north about another 10 miles and went to dive the Regina. Uh, three Regina is about 400-foot uh, freighter that went down also in a 1913 storm. Mm-hmm. Did a couple dives on that, then stopped it. Uh, there's a 50-foot tugboat, the Sport, just off of Lexington, Michigan. Dropped down and did a quick dive on that, finish out the day. And then Monday, we spent in the St. Clair River, down in the St. Clair Flats area at the bottom of the river, doing some bottle drifts and china drifts. And we also stumbled across a uh, shipwreck, the, the Bothnia, that went down in 1912 after it was struck by a steel steamer. And it was interesting diving shipwrecks in the river. We've been doing quite a few of them down there now that we've been running side scan. It's a little easier to actually find them. Using a hummingbird or a different type? Uh, the one the one we have right now is a Lowrance. Okay. Lowrance is it, nice, too. Yeah, it, it'll be really nice once we figure out how to really use it. <laughs> That's kind of how it is with all of them. Those but it's also... definitely, definitely easier than using an old fish finder. Absolutely. We've pulled some pretty good pictures of divers on wrecks. Uh, just floating by and taking snapshots as you can see their, their outline and their bubbles coming off. And a couple of new new bottle spots that uh, we found. Just found a lot of timber and went down and looked, and there were, happened to be a lot of bottles hung up in the timber. I have been meaning to come up there and dive St. Clair with you guys this year, and I guess I'm not getting off my lazy butt to do that. Yeah, the, I, we've been talking about it. Yes, we have. I was going to come over a couple weekends ago and, and uh, go out on the big lake with, with uh, Jim, but uh, then the weather turned to complete crap, and we just ended up going out on St. Clair. You've got Dover River, have you? you, did, you before, didn't you? You came up here and dove the river year before last, right? Yeah, I've been in uh, St. Joe, I think, three times now. Okay. Another fun river to dive. But in the St. Clair, we've been actually drifting the uh, shipping channels now for China off of the steamers, and we've found quite a bit of fragment, but also quite a bit of intact China, which is kind of a nice addition to the bottle pile. You guys doing any good on clay pipes? You know, we've only had a couple of clay pipes come up this year. Um, up north uh-huh. in the Marine City area, they, they're on clay pipes nonstop. Huh. Are you getting the embossed ones or the ones with the figurines with the nose and all that? Yep, they're getting, you name it, they're pulling it up in the way of clay pipes, but they're actually digging. They're digging in the dredging spoils that were dumped out near the bank, and they've got some uh, pretty big holes there. And it's almost protected land. 
Almost, huh? It's their hole. They've been digging it. So I, I stay with I let them have that stretch of the river. We're, we're the talking about river, right? What's that? You're at actually at St. Clair Shores or St. Clair itself? Uh, we're actually working more at the bottom, the Algonac and Harsons Island area, the okay, south now. channel, north channel, and the middle channel. And we've we're been gonna, doing a little bit in the Detroit River also. What kind of what kind of visit you got right now up there? Um, this weekend it was probably six to ten foot. But then I heard the the local water treatment plants will give us their turbidity readings. Right. And we we call them. And there's actually a Facebook group, and somebody will call and post it so they don't get inundated with phone calls. And the turbidity is going higher and higher. So right now it's probably down to two to three foot. Any idea what it is up towards the bridge? Um, I have not heard. I'm probably going to be heading up there in a couple of weeks. Um, this summer, I haven't really been at the Blue Water Bridge. I don't think I've been up there this year at all. Yeah, if you get up there, let me know when you go up. We'll certainly do that. You, you guys are you going on a Saturday or a Sunday? Um, probably a Sunday. Okay. Uh, depending on the Saturday, I tend to get stuck working at the shop on Saturdays, so it's kind of hard to get out. Yeah, we might be able to get some guys to come up, spend the night, and then dive Sunday. Yeah, and... Uh, the, uh, right now, you know, we've got a boat that we can put in the water. It makes it a whole lot easier than climbing up that dang seawall. Well, we, we used to have a four-wheel cart with a hoist, electric hoist, and that's what we used to pull the gear up after we climbed up. Now, did the, the cart have the hoist on? or? Yeah, we, no, we, put, the, we put a hoist on it from Harbor Freight yeah. and replaced the crank mechanism with electric winch. We did it for if you had a bad, if you had an accident or somebody had a heart attack, how are you going to get them up? Uh-huh. So we just go down, put a lanyard on the ladder, take the gear off, come on up. And then we send it down and pick the gear up. It'll hold several hundred pounds. So if we had to bring a diver up, we got a way to get them out. Otherwise, you're SOL. Yeah. Well, you just tie a buoy off of them and set them to drift. Yeah. But how far are you going to go down (laughs) and get them out of the water? Past the Coast Guard ship. Yeah, that would not be fun. We've tried all kinds of things up there at the bridge, and uh, I I just typically try to dive a smaller tank and climb the wall. But having a boat makes it a whole lot easier to get out. Yeah. So what do you do? You just tie the boat. You tie the boat off somewhere and then dive off it. Oh, uh, usually we just we're live boating. We've been uh, using a uh, actually a boat fender as a marker. Mm-hmm. We put some reflective tape on it and a rope and a weight on the bottom of it, and you just tie off a reel to it, and we can put two divers in the water at a time and. We just worked out a series of signals so that the boat knows when you're coming up and you just kind of hang out near the float. Okay. And if a freighter's coming, you can go over and you can pull the slack out of the line and give about six good tugs and say, come up, ah. which was always the problem with diving in, in the channel because it's an active freighter channel. And you can look at the AIS all you want, but they tend to pop up out of nowhere sometimes when they pull off a dock or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So it's nice having somebody on the surface that can tell you, hey, time to get out of the channel. So, so, so you do your boat a little bit like Captain Tom when we're in the Cooper. A lot like that, but we actually have a float marking the divers, and the boat hangs out near the near the float. Also, very handy when somebody blows a lift bag up with typically an anchor hanging from it. An anchor. <laughs> yeah, it's probably easier to put the boat than to carry up a pier ladder. Yeah, we've got quite a few anchors of this this year out of the river. So, any other diving to speak of? Oh. And- been doing a lot of diving. The uh, mast group over in Lake Erie has 11 wrecks buoyed, and they put out a challenge on Facebook this year. They were giving out a magazine subscription and a museum membership to whoever dove the most buoyed wrecks in a year. So uh, somebody made a mention of it and said, well, why don't we just do it in a weekend? So we went over to Lake Erie, and we hit 
10 of the 11 wrecks, and the numbers on one wreck weren't quite accurate, and I can tell you there's a 400-foot circle on the bottom of Lake Erie where there is no wreck. <laughs> so what was the, has somebody gotten all 11, so you're still not uh, out? I'm not really sure, and they might only credit us with 10 because the first one we went to was missing the buoy, but we still found the wreck. We anchored and we dove the wreck, but uh, their little thing was they have a word written on a slate. They've got a really nice mooring system, big concrete block that sits off the wreck that has a line from the block over to the wreck, and then there's an upline to a buoy that you can moor to. And on that on that upline, they had a slate with the word. Every one of them was associated with the wreck in some way, and you had to turn in the word to prove that you had dove the wrecks. Well, the one wreck, the mooring, the buoy wasn't there, and we didn't go in search of the mooring block. In hindsight, we probably should have just get the word, but one of the members of the group actually came out there while we were diving it, and he tied off to us because he was out there to dive the same wreck. But it was an interesting weekend. It was uh, quite quite a bit of power diving, and uh, I can say we did some night diving in Lake Erie also. Yeah, I want to do a night dive. I haven't done one in so long. It was definitely interesting, and uh, when you're, we ended up 14 miles off, I think, on our furthest night dive. Beautiful sky. There wasn't a cloud anywhere, and you could see a lot of stars. It was a nice change. Well, Mac, we have any dives planned coming up? Uh, we're basically doing them as the day goes by. We were thinking about diving again tomorrow. <laughs> we're tired, guys. Ugh. Must be nice. Yeah. Oh, I wake up, it's not raining, or it is raining. We'll go diving. Yeah. And if they're not diving or shooting, if they're not shooting, we're doing something else. Yeah, but none of them have come up with the Chikori yet. Mm, no. I almost prefer the river because I get much longer downtimes. It's a shorter trip, and I can spend all day underwater with two tanks. It gives me at least three hours. And on the big wrecks, they're nice. But even on max wreck, you got what? 25-minute downtime, and you're done. You're in deco. Oh, yeah. Yep. So that's just, why I like the river. We've just been playing it, uh, go on the big lake when we can, and when the big lake gets blown out, we go to the river. Now, the river's always a good backup. Okay, here, we, here we've got a question from Facebook. Somebody says, hello, I have a general question. How would you go about finding out where my closest hyperbaric chamber is should I suffer from DCS? Where's he at? According to a recent report, the local hospital is turning away divers, although I know the Navy base in Panama City Beach has their own chamber. I understand it isn't open to the public, although I hope to never need it. It seems quite odd given the proximity to popularity diving in Panama City Beach area. Greatly appreciate any information you have. So I'm assuming she's down there. We talked about last week where they don't have the chamber. Probably the best thing for them to do is to call Dan at 919-684-2948. Or 800-446-2671, Monday through Friday, like 8.30 to 5, I believe it is. So what was that first number? Area code 919-684-2948. That's their non-emergency line. And seeing as how they do referrals to chambers for dive incidents, they should have a good idea of what chambers would be in somebody's area that would service a dive incident. Very good suggestion. Very good suggestion. And yeah. it's, it's a good idea to check on that beforehand. doesn't hurt. It should always be a part of your emergency action plan, knowing where the nearest chamber to your dive location is. Yeah, and that should be something that we have. We should have one for each port that we go out of. Most certainly. 
And Dan, Dan will still, if somebody does get involved in an incident, they have another number that's an emergency number. Even if you're not a member, they'll still assist right. you. Yeah, I've, I've used that one before as well. And should be a member anyway. It's cheap. And the coverage can uh, pay off a lifetime of membership in one use, which hopefully nobody ever has to. But it happens. So, Darren, do you have any dives planned in the near future? <sighs> well, Saturday I can't dive. I've got to work. And then Sunday I've got to work. I'm going to... A conference in L.A. Well, maybe you could go out there and get a giant uh, spiny lobster. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, maybe. Should be one waiting. I've got uh, conferences planned for all the days, and I come back Thursday. I, nobody called me. I mean, all, all these listeners we have, and nobody said, hey, I've got I got dive set up. Come come early or stay late. So I see how it is. You, you, you taking your gear with you minus your tank? No, no. There's no way I'm, <laughs> I'm going to pay haul my gear out there without having something booked the way to do it would have been to uh i I just really wasn't planning it i mean i've just been so busy at work it's been crazy but the way to do it would have been to service all my gear box it up and then ship it there i've got a family who who lives out there have it shipped to their house and then i could have rented a car picked it up from their place and then gone done some diving so if Oren Oren noah listens to this recording he should get a hold of you before you get down there yeah. I believe he's in that area. Yeah. Yeah, because I'm sure I could rent all the other parts. Yeah. Is there is there good sky diving in California? Do they have water? Uh, they've got that nasty saltwater stuff. Yeah, what happens? Are there earthquakes or the drought? I heard they have big drought. Yeah, they still have the ocean. Uh, let's see. Do we have anybody have anything to promote? Do you have anything to promote, Dave? Uh, just show season is getting ready to start kicking off. I'm seeing flyers coming out for a few shows already. That yeah, time we, of the year. We have DEMA in just a couple months. DEMA's coming up. Uh, shipwrecks in Scuba. Uh, Great Lakes Shipwreck Festival. Uh, Ford Seahorses. They've already put a date out on theirs. I believe it's March 7th, if I remember correctly. Yep, we have Our World Underwater. Our World Underwater, Scuba Fest down in Columbus, Ohio. I mean, they're all they're all pushing out dates and flyers and getting ramped up. Yeah, we'll have to, we'll have to do some looking on that. I'm trying to decide, is this going to be the year I go to them all or, or not? Do you have anything to plug, Mac? Nah, I'd like to uh, see some more divers out there with us. You know, Facebook is there. You want to go dive? But now we're going to be at. Don't wait for us, but drift diving is a lot of fun right now. Day's current was not bad at all. If you're a newbie, it would have been a good time to come out and dive with us. Actually, any time this week. Uh, so if you're interested, let us know. I'm sure somebody will be able to accommodate you, and we'll tell you where to go in at and where to get out at. They'll tell you where to go. Yeah, we'll if tell you, you find a hutchie, you'll find out real quick. Yeah, I'm, I might have to call in sick one day this week. Yeah, I was. I talked about doing that last week, but oh, there's off air. I got so many horror stories about work. It's like you know, I, I I need to get rich and retire as soon as I can. Is all I can say. Come back I keep Yeah, yeah. I need to do something like that. Well, is it getting to be towards that time? Uh, it is. And I've got so many jokes, I don't know which one to uh, to use. Well, the last time you were on, you had three, and they were just absolutely fantastic. So you've done screwed up your image. Oh, no. <laughs> but did, uh, do, do we want to do multiple again? Is that, is that the well, way to do it? They're expecting good ones again. I mean, it used to be a bad scuba joke, but you oh, sort of screwed that up and gave some pretty good ones last time. Yeah, let's see here. Yeah, you know, we've we've got like a a triple threat, so you know for the we'll do a, a few series of uh, 
So we'll, we'll do a triple this time again. So you guys ready? Several yeah, ready. Okay. Let's see. The first one, uh, Farmer Smith was driving his tractor along the road with a trailer full of fertilizer. Alex, a little boy of nine, was playing his ball in the yard and saw the farmer and asked, What you got in the trailer? Manure, says Farmer, farmer Smith. What are you going to do with it, asks Alex. Put it on my pumpkins, answers the farmer. Alex replied, You ought to come and eat with us. We put ice cream on our pumpkin pie. From the mouth of babes. <laughs> okay, here, here, here's the second one. So that, that was a warm-up. Guy in a wetsuit walks into a doctor's office with a frog sitting on his head, and the doctor says, Hey, you seem to have a problem there. Then the frog replies, yeah, and would you believe it started off as a wart on my ass? <laughs> okay, so here we go. So that, that, that that's kind of the, the letdown. A group of divers have been out for the day off Maine. They have two wonderful dives, and they got caught up in their quota of lobsters, all good size. None of them are in a hurry to get back to their wives, so on the way back they drop a couple of lines in hope of supplementing their lobster dinner. The skipper of the boat is the only one of them to catch anything, a good-sized cod, and very pleased with himself. From the back of the locker, he produces a bottle of rum, some Cuban cigars, and a pack of cigarettes. Unfortunately, no one has a lighter or matches with them. They attempt to spark using their knives against a tank and even try rubbing a couple sticks together, all to no avail. Just as they about given up, Darren, the youngest member, jumps up, takes one of the cigarettes, and throws it overboard. Instantly, they're able to light their cigars. How? The boat has just become... A cigarette lighter. Ooh. Okay, that's, that's bad, but it's good. That, that, that's on the edge of qualifying. <laughs> yeah, that, that one is uh, another one that was sent to us from a listener, so I can't take all the blame uh, credit for it. So until next week, go out there and get wet. And stay safe. And no cigarettes were drowned in the making of this podcast. recording has been completed.